Welcome to the iFreeSphere podcast presented by iFree Simulations, bringing the voices of the future medtech into conversation. Today we'll be talking to Dr. Jose Ferracosta, a virtual world creator and XR leader based at BSA in Barcelona, specializing in healthcare. He creates immersive virtual spaces and leads a team promoting both VR and XR within medical education, both for training and mindfulness. He is a doctor, acupuncturist, clinical tutor and researcher, and works on VR projects to treat burnout and provide medical training to those in the healthcare sphere. Jose, welcome to the podcast. Obviously, we've been long-time collaborators. It's really lovely to have you here. Uh, why don't you tell the audience a bit about yourself, a bit about your work, and a bit about what you're passionate about? Well, thank you for having me here today. And, well, I'm Jose Ferre. I'm a medical doctor specialized in family medicine. And I've been a clinical physician for over 20 years doing primary care and emergency. And during this whole time, I was always looking for something extra to bring to my patients. So I did a master's in Chinese traditional medicine. I've been doing acupuncture. I've been using mindfulness, meditation also for them. But on the other hand, I was also very attracted to technology. So since I was young and since years, I was looking for new technological tools for using with the patient. So that brought me into another passion of mine that completely shifted my career. That is VR, virtual reality. And it started back in 2019, just as a, a hobby. But it was really during the pandemics when I had more free time, of course, because I could not go out anymore and travel, that I started using it more intensively. Wonderful. And also something you're very passionate about, and in fact, you have a whole website dedicated to this, is creating virtual worlds, which I imagine links into what you're talking about there about during the pandemic, obviously all quite isolated. Could you talk a bit about how you got interested in that, sort of your first steps into becoming a virtual world creator, some of the tools you use, sort of early platforms, your experience around that? Yeah, sure. So as I said, during the pandemics back in 2020, I had some more time. So I began learning to use two main tools that are very useful for virtual reality development that are Unity and Blender. And so with these two new tools, it added a lot of my possibilities because first I was doing it in the metaverse using Outspace VR, which was a platform that was a social platform in the metaverse. It was open, you could build things there, but it was more limited to what you could do. And then with Unity and Blend, of course, the, <laughs> the perspective was much broader. You could do so much more. And so I started building these VR worlds, mostly for meditation and relaxation. But I did a lot of artistical works too, because I, people started noticing my, my words and they really liked this style, some of them. And they wanted to have custom-made words for the art or whatever they want. And I think that the most interesting, maybe, or the biggest project I did was a whole VR album for this famous Termin Virtuosa, which is, which is in Germany. It's Carolina Ike. And she was launching a new album. And we decided to do this whole experience of each track of the album was transformed into a VR environment or with an experience that would tell the history of, of this musical piece. And we had the launch of the VR album online and it was open to anyone. And we had over 800 people there. It was really amazing. The, That's great stuff. The, yeah. Yes. 
it kind of shows that it's quite easy to be multi-talented when it comes to this space. Obviously, you're a medical doctor first and foremost, but applying these skills has been a, a sort of a great venture for you. And in fact, that kind of leads into, I wanted to ask you about, is that how you got into uh, education in the VR? Because that's how we met, is we met um, through the XR Medical and Healthcare Educators subgroup. And I wanted to talk a yeah. bit, talk a bit about what education in VR is, uh, your experiences and sort of position within that group and sort of what they hope to achieve. Yeah, it was a big part of my VR experience in the first years. I met them during my experience in Outspace VR because it was where they mostly were based. And Educators in VR is a big group of enthusiasts to promote the use of VR and XR in education in general. But they have different teams and they invited me to co-found the XR healthcare and medical team because they didn't have one. And of course, VR is growing so much in healthcare. So they, they need to have someone in a team exploring this, this line. So we started doing events on the metaverse that are open to anyone. That's how we met because we invited you to come and be a speaker in one of the events. The, the events were open to the public and we were all volunteers just organizing the event, moderating, helping the speakers with the slides, just to showcase the, the good and potential use of VR in this line of work in the healthcare in our case. So we're still doing work now, less because I've been so busy with other projects, but I'm still part of the team and we're still doing events. Of course. And when we did it, I see back in the day, that was Alt Space VR, which um, exactly. unfortunately now is, is shutting down. So where, where is Educations VR moving to now? What kind of new technologies and platforms are they? They are mostly now in Engage. That's the main platform that they're using, but they're open to use other platforms like Spatial, VRChat, and actually we're going to have you again in January, and we're probably going to be using a word in Spatial because we, we already have the word with the environment prepared for your talk about I3 simulation and resuscitation VR specifically. Lovely. And one thing we love about Spatial, which we also liked about AltSpace, is because we use the Unity platform in some of our projects, we can make that realistic resuscitation room and environment that people can collaborate and communicate in, which really, I think it really brings the the aims of the community sort of into focus. Having them within that medical space really allows them to think about and discuss what VR can, can do for them. And speaking of what VR can do for them, obviously you're a strong advocate towards mindfulness and there's a hot topic ongoing, I was going to say at the moment, but really ongoing about just burnout for healthcare workers. And I know you've done work towards mindfulness as something which can help alleviate that stress and help work towards solving that burnout problem. Yeah, that's, that's actually my main project at the moment. Burnout is not new in the healthcare world. It's been, it's been there for years and decades and so many growing little by little, especially in the public system because we have more workload and lack of resources. So in 2021, when was, I was already having a lot of experience with VR and everything, we have the COVID pandemics and we, the burnout was sky high. And I heard some colleagues of mine expressing feelings of frustration. Like they were saying things like, I'm not sure I care about what my patients are telling me anymore. Or sometimes I feel like the patients come to see me just to bother me. And that was like a red flag in my head. And I thought, goodness, yeah. Well, yeah, that was really sad. And I said, well, let's see what I can do. And my first initial thought was to use VR just as a stress release, relief too. But then I was talking to a friend of mine who is also a, a family doctor. 
but she's uh, she's this expert in mindfulness for healthcare workers. So together we were talking, we talked about how we could bring these tools, VR and health and mindfulness together. And we came up with this program, which is uh, an, an educational program that teach mindfulness techniques and also emotion management tools for healthcare workers to deal with stressful situation. And we use VR to deliver this content to them. Wonderful. And how, how long has that, has that been running for now? Has that been since 2021? 2021, the whole year was for the elaboration of the project, writing the clinical, because we started as a clinical trial. So we, it was a research protocol that had to be under evaluation by the ethics committee. And it takes a long time. And then also developing the VR content and other sessions. So the 21 was the elaboration creation year. And 2022 is when we actually started implementing the sessions with healthcare professionals. During the whole year, we did clinical trials and in the first months of 2023, and with this potent results that we got, that they were very positive. Uh, management of Badalona Cervezas Tensiales, that's where we work. They decided to implement it not as a clinical trial, but as an institutional program to offer these tools to most of the professionals. So little by little, we're getting more budget to get more headsets. And now this year, we got seven headsets to implement at least at the primary care centers because we have in Badalona 17 centers in different specialties, but we had seven primary care centers. That's the, that are the first one that are officially being implemented as a institutional program, which is a very pride for myself because I'm very happy that the, it's been so well received by my colleagues. Yeah, that's wonderful. And it really shows how the uptake has been established quite quickly. It's clearly demonstrable how useful this is. I was actually going to ask about the uptake, but I think it's worth asking, what has the sort of reactions been of the users of, say, the nurses and doctors who will go through this mindfulness experience? What's some of the feedback you've gotten? Yeah, well, the, as, as the research part point of view, the data, it was very interesting to see. It was statistically significant and it's amazing, of course. But for me, the best feedback is the personal anecdotes that we got from some colleagues. Like the best one, I think for me, I, I always have it clear in my head. I, I met once, we are doing that in a palliative care team. And one, one day I met a nurse that was doing the program at that time. And she, she told me, oh, this week we had a, a morning that was very heavy. And because three of them were doing the program, they said, let's stop for five minutes. Let's go inside the control room and let's do the technique that we just learned this week, which it was a self-compassion technique. And they were doing practicing what they learned in our program for five minutes in the real life. So that was, for me, the best feedback ever. That's superb. The fact that it translates so well into actual practice so quickly is really wonderful to hear. It must be very rewarding for you as a project to work on. Exactly. Well, a transfer now then. So we've talked obviously a lot about mindfulness and one aspect of staff interacting with VR. Uh, obviously, the project we've worked on together in bringing Resuscitation VR to, to BSA into Spain is to do with training. And obviously, that's something you've got a lot of experience in as well. So I wanted to know about your experience into getting into the training side of bringing VR to the doctors and nurses and how you found that. And just talk us through your journey of getting involved with building that up both within the institution. How have you found using VR in the training space in the medical sector? 
Well, I think VR for healthcare, it has very potential uses, but for medical education, it's transformative because it offers this immersion, this interactive engaged platform that the participants can really engage with the decision-making protocols and the clinical skills that they have to, to, to develop, but in a safe environment. So they know that they're not harming any patient. Instead of doing that in real life and training for the first time, they can do that in with virtual patients that are, well, they might die in virtual reality, but they're not really dying. It's a safe risk and it's, it rises at the patient safety in general, not the real patients, not the, the, the virtual patients, but it's very important for the real patients to have this training beforehand. And it's, it's also very stimulating for them because it's a new tool, especially the young people, because if you go to the residents, if you want to grab the attention in a class, because you're teaching something about emergency, a clinical case specifically, if you go to a normal environment where you have no VR headset in your head, they are always looking at the mobile or they're looking out to the window or they think about something else. But once they put on the headsets in the head, they, they are so immersed and they're so engaged in the situation that you really get them there and they are really learning deeper because it's easier to teach them if they pay attention to you. Otherwise you, you, you lost. <laughs> it's the power of immersion truly is. And apart from what you just discussed of, of getting them off their phones, what has the kind of reaction and, and response been from those who've gone through these training programs? Well, it was very positive. Of course, we, we were always asking the feedback with some scales in the end of the, each classes and their opinions are very positive. They are very happy with the new tools and they always come up with new, ah, we could use it for this kind of clinical settings or this kind of training. So they're very excited because it's something different that they are trying. Most of them are using PR for the first time, which is very exciting for anyone anyway. But it's a new tool that we can use for medical education that we didn't have before. Excellent. And actually, the fact that it is a new tool is something that we've both has encountered as a potential friction to getting people on board with the idea of using VR. So I wanted to ask you in, in your experiences, what are those kind of barriers that tend to need to be overcome when introducing VR as for both for mindfulness and for training into integrating that into, into curriculums and to institutions? Well, we, we can say that there are three biggest challenges, especially in the, if, if we're talking about the, the public system, like we are in healthcare, we don't have a lot of budget for innovation, but the, the three biggest challenges would be funding, of course, technological adoption, because of the technological resistance that we have in, in medical doctors and nurses, and also ensuring the VR content is clinically relevant and evidence-based. For the funding, we, we need to have to find some collaborative approach, to find someone that help us with maybe a, a, an opportunity to get a grant or just a collaborative effort like we did with, with you guys with i Simulation. We started because we knew each other before. We had the experience of promoting VR in the metaverse together for twice. So we decided to start this new collaboration. We got this grant in the UK to make the translation into Spanish and it all started as a trial. A small trial. I was using my own personal VR headset actually in that time. We didn't even have a VR headset for that. And now it has become part of the, the official curriculum of the Badalona Cerveza Asistencial for the residents and doctors and nurses. And we have a, a, an official headset that they bought for that. And we even are exploring more new environments that we're building together. So it's growing a lot. 
for the collaborative approach. So it's very important. The technological adoption for healthcare professionals, I think it's not only for the educational use, but for healthcare and even for the mindfulness, it was very important that they try it for themselves to see how it works, to see the potential of VR. And then they come up with their own ideas of how VR can be used for patients. That's what's happening right now in, in, in Badalona because they, they did the program for the burnout prevention. They learned how it works. And they come to me now, the pediatrician wants to use it for children with anxiety when they come to get vaccines. The palliative care they want to use for pain management. I have so many new projects that I cannot do everything <laughs> anymore. We found the same. You put people in the headset and it just clicks. It clicks and the exactly. ideas run run freely. Um, and that's, that's something actually about our collaboration is one thing we find very important. The first thing is to get it used, get it so that people are using it, people understand it, and then evaluate it from there. And all the other stuff will come after that. The important thing for us is that this was part of our collaboration is you had a you had a need, you had a sort of training need, and we can deliver that, make sure it is useful, and then it can scale from there. And that, that's, I think that's one of the most important things about any new organization is just to start, even if it's starting very small, starting with just a concept, starting with something you can test and try, that as soon as people start using it, it's getting into the VR, recognizing the immersion, sort of feeling that environment around them, that's when it tends to kick off and the ideas start to flow. And that's where the interest picks up. And obviously that's how it tends to scale. And speaking of scaling, we're sort of getting around to, to wrapping up here. What else are you working on, Jose? You're a very busy person and got lots of projects well, on the yeah, go at the because, moment. Because, yeah, it's, it's partially my, my own fault because I was very good in evangelizing my colleagues in VR. But of course, the main project is still project, the, the one for burnout prevention that's called Project Benista or Wellbeing and our collaboration with you guys with factory simulation to medical education. But we have some other very interesting projects. Like we just inaugurated our this immersive room in our intermediate care center. And it's not with VR headset, but it's a projectional VR system from this company, Brumix, that can benefit the patients that may not be this suitable for VR headsets like the ones with advanced dementia, for instance. So the, you have the VR environment and the, the, all the simulations projected on the room in three walls. So it's very interesting to do group therapy. You can do cognitive stimulation, relaxation, rehabilitation. We just started this month, last week, this VR used for memory and attention stimulation for patients with mild cognitive impairment. And this is also a collaboration with another company in Barcelona, that's Reality Telling. We're doing this VR 360 degree videos and some exercise for them to, to be training memory and attention instead of just paper and pencil, and, and pencil, which is normally how they do it. So it's been amazing to see 90 plus years old uh, patients using VR for the first time and getting so <laughs> playful at children when, <laughs> when they're doing it. It's, it's really fulfilling. And another very big project that's going to be starting next year, it's for it's focusing on, on young people on the autistic spectrum because we got this, this new donation from the Rotary Club that's gonna allow us to do this, this project. And it's going to explore the VR as a new therapeutic tool to help overcome social phobia, train life skills, things like that. That's incredible and really running the gamut of all these different areas where VR can, can have a positive impact. 
And if anyone listening interested to learn more, we'll put links to each of these projects and more information in the in the show notes for the episode. So Jose, we'll finish off with the last one, which we always ask, which is what's next? Both where do you see VR in the future integrating with healthcare? And what would you like to see? What would you like to see coming next that you think would make a, a really big impact in that within the general healthcare sector? Well, I think that the future of VR in healthcare is already here. It's not the really future, it's already the present. But of course, it's going to be potentially developing further, especially with new technological tools like the haptics. We can really use it as a complete tool for medical education, for surgery training, not only soft skills that is very good, of course, but for hard skills like, like actually training the man, movement of a technical, technical skill that you need for a surgery. And then in healthcare, I see it as very important in mental health, rehabilitation, and pain management. These are the three lines that are mostly impactful, for, in my opinion, for VR in healthcare. And it's obviously working because even though the research, scientific proof that are over there is, is already proving that it's there, it's, it's real, but we need more robust evidence. So we need bigger studies with more collaborative efforts between different centers and countries to, to show how it, how it really works. The potential is really lies in continuing the innovating, but also with serious research and collaborative efforts across countries. Yeah, that's right. It's kind of a novel technology in a sense. We're just about getting around to the stage of having these large sort of randomized control trials. Something we intersected with ourselves, technically when it comes to training, is we're getting to the stage now where we're getting really robust evidence showing the sort of skills transfer across a larger scale because the tech is has been within the institutions now for, for a few years. And certainly COVID, I think, kicked that off a little bit as people had to do training remotely, was looking for new technology that increased the interest in getting this evidence generated, which also has been has been great for, for demonstrating the, the potential of VR. Uh, so Jose, I uh, want to thank you again for, for joining us on the podcast. Uh, we'll wrap up. If anyone wants to know more about you, know more about your work and what you're sort of doing and up to at the moment, where would be best for them to to find out more about you? Well, I mostly use LinkedIn, so I think LinkedIn is the easiest way to find me. I, I'm starting also to, to collaborate with this VR for Health blog on a weekly basis. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening to iFreeSphere. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to get the latest episodes as they are released. And for more information, follow iFreeSimulations on Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. Links in the description below. And visit our website at iFreeSimulations.com for news and updates on our work towards the future of medtech.